This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. What a joy to be able to come together like we have this morning. I just sat there and I was singing and I could hear my brothers and sisters in Christ singing into my ears. And I know all of your hardships, I know your blessings, and to be able to lift up our voices like we have this morning to God. What a treat. I love each and every one of you. It's so good to be here with you this morning. The psalmist David, he said, I was, he said I'm so glad to go to the house of the Lord. And I know each and every one of you are glad to be here this morning. As Brother Derek said in his opening remarks, we have chose the month of March to talk on prayer. I have took on the subject of the power of prayer. So that's what we'll be talking about a little bit this morning. When I think about the power of prayer, I think about a man that many of us have heard stories about and read about, and that is George Muller. George lived in the 1800s. He was born around 1805, and I think he died around 1898. And he lived in a town called Bristol, England. And during the time that he lived, there was a huge problem with with orphans. The streets were just filled with with children that were starving to death. They didn't have proper clothes to keep them warm in the cold, wintry wintry days. Uh, They didn't have any kind of proper education. And so he took upon himself something that was really kind of impossible during this time. But he built an orphanage that would house 2,000 people children. During the course of his life, he built 117 schools that would educate over 120,000 children. Because again, during this time and place, I mean, education was a luxury. Children were not being educated, and he wanted that for children. He housed over 10,000 orphans there at Bristol. Through the course of his life, you know, you think about what it would take to build 117 schools, what it would take to to house and and feed and uh, clothe and shelter 10,000 children. A lot of money. During the course of his life, there there was over a half a billion dollars in today's currency that ran through his hands. A half a billion. But what's so interesting about George is that he, didn't, he never asked for a dime. The only person that he would ask things for is God. He would pray to God and ask for all the needs of his children. 
Every ministry, every ministry that he was involved in, which he was involved in a lot of them, all of his petitions were made to God. He said this, No one ought to expect to see much good resulting from his labors in word and doctrine if he is not much given to prayer and meditation. You see, George Muller was a huge believer on what a person could accomplish with prayer, meditation, and God's Word. Those three working together. He did what was impossible in his lifetime. But he did it because he understood the power that he could receive as just a mere man through prayer. And that's why he is remembered. You know, he wrote down over 50,000 prayers. 30,000 of them, he said, were answered that very same hour or that day. Books have been written about this man, what he accomplished in his life. Very interesting character study. But the most magnificent in my mind was something that was written about him the day that he died. When he died, the whole town, the whole city of Bristol shut down. They closed down the factories, they closed down the businesses, everything was shut down because everyone wanted to pay this man the respect that was due. He changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of children. He impacted uh, basically uh, not only that city, but, but what, would, what would soon be the world, just because of prayer. But listen to these words. This, these were, this is what a news reporter wrote about him. He was raised up for the purpose of showing that the age of miracles is not past. That's one of the greatest accomplishments that any man could ever, ever receive. Every great movement of God can be traced back to a kneeling figure. George, you see, he believed that, that a battle was not prepared for by prayer, but that prayer was the battle. Because he believed that, he did a remarkable, remarkable things. I read about a, a young boy, and he was on his knees, and he was praying to God. And right there beside him was his mother. Right beside his mother was the grandmother. So all three of them are on their knees and then, while this little boy is saying his nightly prayers. And he says, this little boy says quietly, he says, God, I just thank you for my family. I thank you for the food that you blessed me with and for the shelter. And don't forget about my bicycle on my birthday, he shouted. And his mom said, you know, God isn't hard of hearing. 
He said, I know, but grandmother is. <laughs> but I love what his mom said, that God is not hard of hearing. God hears us. I love this verse in 1 John 5 and 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We serve a Creator. And thank you so much for all the songs that have prepared us for this, for this study this morning. We serve a Creator that hears us when we pray to Him. And we can have confidence in that. But unfortunately, we, we do not have confidence in this because we have not, because we ask not. To me, this is the saddest, the saddest words that could ever be said about a follower of Jesus Christ. Ye have not because you ask not. You know, there's a lot of us that love to eat. I know all you men, and, and we're like eating buddies. We love to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Why do we like to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet? Just so we can take one trip only. No, that's blasphemy. Like, when we go to all-you-can-eat buffet, it's, it's, it's serious. Like, we're going to try everything that we desire. We're going to try different kinds of breads, different kinds of desserts. We're going to keep putting food in our mouth until we just can't put any more in. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get our money's worth, aren't we? But you see, a Christian that does not utilize prayer is like going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and just taking one trip. I heard about a lady that lived in a remote part of the, ca uh, the county, and there wasn't even a road that, that would uh, go to her house. I mean, it, she had to hike in. And so she lived most of her life there, and as she was getting older in years, it was time, it was, she thought it was time to get some power because she didn't even have utilities there. And so she talked to the utility company, the electric company, and they're like, hey, it's going to be expensive. And so they, they worked back and they kind of compromised back and forth, negotiated, and it was going to cost this lady $50,000 to run electric to her house. But she was willing to do so because she was older in years and, and needed the power. Well, after she got hooked up, a few months later, the, the utility company, they called her and said, ma'am, is there a problem? She's like, well, why is that? She's like, well, it, we're, we're looking at, we're reading your meter and you're barely using any electricity. Is everything working properly? And she said, well, yes, everything's working as it should. She's like, well, well why aren't you using any electricity? She's like, well, I'm, I'm using it like I want to. Like, in the evening time when it's dark, I'll flip on the power and I'll get my, my matches and I'll go around the house and I'll light all my kerosene lanterns and then I'll flip it back off. And the lady was just shocked. She's like, well, what about your washer and dryer? What about your television? What about the radio? 
What about your computer? What about your heating and air? And she went on and on, all the things that electric and power provides us in our home. She wasn't utilizing what she had. And so many times we as Christians, we have not because we're just simply not asking. We're just not asking. We have ultimate power at our fingertips and we go through life empty-handed. We're living on the crumbs when we have a full course meal right there in front of us. All you can eat anytime we want. It's like going on a cruise. Anytime you want to eat, night or day, it is there. Whatever you want. But we live on crumbs. That is so sad. This is a sad verse. That's, we don't want this verse to be us. So this morning what we want to do is we want to talk about two characters. Because these two characters, one believed in the power of God and one doubted. And so there were repercussions that took place in their life because of that. And I feel like once we look at them, we'll, we'll be able to unfortunately relate. And then also in closing, I just want to talk about the need for God's power in our lives. So that's kind of the direction we're going this morning. So let's talk about these characters. I want to talk about Zechariah in the New Testament. As we know, Zechariah was a priest. He, he taught God's Word. He, uh, he had certain rituals and rites that he had to perform as far as ceremonial duties. Um, he was a very esteemed man uh, during his days. And, uh, but yet he lived an old man and he never was able to have children. You know, he was married to Elizabeth and they just, she was barren. They never had any children. So there was one day that he was praying to God. And as he was praying, the angel Gabriel appeared. And it frightened him something fierce. But Gabriel said these words to him. I have heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers, and He's going to answer them. You're going to have a son, and He's going to change the hearts of Israel, turn, them, turn their hearts back to God. But you see, something happened. He doubted. And so there were repercussions for his doubt. And that was that God removed his speech. He could not talk. He could not perform his duties as a priest. So a couple of months take place, and the same angel appears to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, see, she said, and he says to her, you're going to have a child. And so she's puzzled by this. She's like, well, how is that? I have not been with a man. I'm not married. How would I have a child? And then he says these words to her. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. In other words, he sees each and everything that God does from heaven, from the throne. And he says these words. He says, for with God... Nothing, nothing shall be impossible. 
You know, similar words were said to Abraham. You remember what was said to him? Because Abraham's like, I'm an old man. How can I have a child? And the angel said to him, Is there anything that God cannot do? Similar words. So, getting back to Zechariah. So, eight days after John the Baptist was born, it was time to circumcise him and name him. That's what they did on the eighth day. And so, as they were trying to come up with a name, there was family there, it was a big occasion, obviously. But they kept saying, so what are you going to name this young boy? Zechariah, I assume. And Elizabeth, as we all remember, she said, no, we're going to name him John. That's what the angel of the Lord said, to name him John. She's like, you're crazy. Let me talk to someone over here that has a little bit of sense. And again, as we remember, Zechariah couldn't talk. So I can just picture him having like this little rope and a chalkboard and him writing <laughs> and carrying that around. But they're like, so what are you going to name him? Zachariah, of course, right? He says, no, we're going to name him John. It was at that point that he received speech, his speech back, right? He no longer doubted. He believed. And I, and I mentioned Zachariah and Mary. Because I feel like I can relate to Zechariah. You know, it says that he was a righteous man, that every ordinance that was commanded to him, that he walked in perfectly. Perfectly, He was a good man. I can't relate to that, but he, he was a good man, right? As we all tried to be. But he doubted in the power of God. And it handicapped him for a time and for a season, right? It did. And it handicaps you and I in our lives when we don't tap into that power that is there for each and every one of us. So that's why I wanted to talk about Zechariah. Because to be able to have the power of God is absolutely priceless. I wanted to read James 5 and 16. It says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is referring to the power of God. You know, when I read this verse, the first thought that comes to my mind are the disciples of Jesus. You know, the, 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 the Scriptures tells us that, that the world couldn't hold the books that, were, that could be written about the deeds of Jesus. But these guys were able to follow Jesus each and every day and watch him do just incredible things. One of the things that I'm so envious about is that these men, they were able to hear Jesus' sermons. The scriptures tells us that never was there a man that spoke like Jesus Christ. No one. They said that when he spoke, that crowds of people would just start gathering around. Thousands of people would come just so that they could hear the wisdom and hear his method of teaching. He was an amazing teacher. They got to see and they got to hear him in this process. They got to see miracles. I mean, we're talking about people that were never able to walk. Can you imagine seeing a person that never, was never able to walk all their life, 
than to be able to suddenly walk? Can you imagine what they would do? They would jump, they would dance, they would skip, leap for joy. Like, they got to witness that. They got to see a blind person be able to see for the first time. Can you imagine all those colors that they've heard about all their life just came to life instantly? The point I'm trying to make is they got to see him teach. They got to see him do miracles. But you see, they never asked him, how, I want you to teach me how, the, how you teach. Or I want you to teach me how to be a healer. What they asked him was this, Lord, teach us how to pray. Why? Why did they ask that when they could have asked him how to be a healer? Because they believed this verse. They knew if, that, if they could learn how to pray, they understood prayer, that unlimited power would, would, just, be, um, would just be within a hand's reach. They would be able to teach like Jesus taught. They would be able to heal as Jesus healed if they just could learn how to pray. The effectual fair prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, prayer can do anything that God can do. It may be that in your life this morning that you're desiring for, for a change. Maybe it's a change in your own heart. Maybe it's a change in, in the heart of your children. Maybe it's a, a change of heart in your parents, your co-workers, your schoolmates. But we serve a God that loves to change hearts. I think about the children of Israel. They prayed for hundreds of years to be released from the bondage of Egypt and Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the most vile and cruel and hardened man that, that ever lived. But God heard their prayer and He caused them to be released because God softened His heart. I think about the early church and how they prayed for persecution. There was a, a, a ruthless man that was fanatical in everything that he did named Saul. And they prayed for this man to stop. And what did God do? He touched his heart and He changed him. I think about Elijah who was in a, who was in a, a cave and he was just all he wanted to do was for God to take his life. He was so depressed, so overwhelmed with grief in his life and he just wanted to die. What did God do? He touched him and changed him. Changed his heart God is in the changing of heart business. And there are times when we need to pray for just that. Sometimes we're in a, in a, in a dark place in our lives. Because of the circumstances that we're, we're within, we feel hopeless. I wonder if Jonah felt helpless. Remember when he was in the bottom of the ocean, in the belly of a fish, and it was dark, smelly. 
He needed God to change that circumstance. What did God do? He placed them on dry land. I think about the early church when they prayed for Peter. Remember how Herod, how, how ugly he was to Christians? He loved to behead people. And he had just beheaded James, and he was about to behead Peter the very next day. So Peter is in prison, and Herod, he knew the power of God. He knew the power of Christians. And so he placed every guard imaginable around Peter to where there was no way he was going to escape. But you see, he did not do enough. When it, come to, when it came to God. The early church came together and they prayed. And Peter was released. There was Peter that walked in that room. And I can just imagine being Peter. All you guys praying for me. I know you would if I were in prison. Because I was being persecuted for doing the Lord's work. I know you would come together and pray. And just to be able to walk in like that. And to know that my brothers and sisters loved me. To know that they believed in power. The power of prayer. I think about Saul of Tarsus, or not Saul of Tarsus, uh, Paul and Silas. Remember when they were in prison, in the dungeons of prison. There was no way that they could escape, but they prayed to God. And what happened? Those releases, those shackles were released. Those uh, gates of that prison cells, they were opened. And he was able to go about doing the work of the Lord again. You see, God loves to change the circumstances of our life. God loves to heal our sick. We know so many that are sick, so many that, that are dealing with chronic pain. What I love about this verse here in the previous one, it says, if any among you be sick, you call the elders of the congregation, and you call them around, and you pray for that individual. I know a very close acquaintance that had a surgery one time in his younger years, and that surgery caused him to have severe chronic pain. And so for years, I mean, he was so miserable that he would have different surgeries, spend all kinds of money to try to fix this pain. He was doped up on pain meds just to try to live a normal life. And, you know, the, the dullness of his senses was causing problems in his marriage. He wasn't able to, to work, so there was financial the strain there. He wasn't able to father his children because he wasn't able to do anything. He just, all he felt like doing was sitting in his recliner. Then one day he read these verses that there are there in James 5, if any among you be sick, call for the elders. So seven years he lives with this pain and decides, you know what? I think I'll, I think I'll follow the, the scriptures and what they say. I'm going to call for the elders. So he did. You know what happened? It wasn't immediate. But he, so, he soon realized that his pain was decreasing. And so he was slowly coming off of these pain meds to where he was eventually that same year, he had no pain. No pain. God loves to show us his power when it comes to sick, when it comes to those that are dying, when it comes to those that have chronic illness. I think about... Our finances. You know, sometimes we get in a pinch. Think about our jobs, our employment. Think about Jabez's prayer. He says, 
He says this to God, Oh, that thou would bless me and enlarge my borders, that thy might be with me in all that I do. God loves to see his people successful. He loves to fill our barns with grain. He loves to see our wine presses overflow with wine. He loves to say, that's my people. Watch how I bless them. See the abundance that I give them. All you have to do is ask and believe. That can happen. Think about wisdom. God loves to give us wisdom. You remember what Solomon, think about him as a young man. He was about to take over his, his father's kingdom and rule it. And he says this to God. He says, I am but a child. I know not how to go or how to come in. Like, How am I going to have the knowledge and the wisdom I need? And so he said, give me wisdom, God. And God gave him such wisdom that everybody that heard about it would travel to hear about his wisdom and hear how God had blessed him. God says, you know, I'm not going to only give you wisdom. I'll give you long life. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you honor. God loves to spoil his children just as we do as parents. You have not because you ask not. Matthew 7 and 7 says, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. God loves to open doors for us. He loves to show us where those treasures are. He says, here's a map. Here's exactly where the treasure is at. He loves to bless us with what we ask for. You know, sometimes we go through hard things in our life. Maybe an illness. Maybe an impossible work situation, a difficult marriage. Maybe it's a child with a hardened heart. Maybe a damaged relationship. But Paul talks about these hardships. And he says something very powerful that I want us to remember. In this 2 Corinthian letter, he said that God brought him to death. He let Paul see death. And the reason why he did that was so that Paul would not trust in himself, but understand the resurrected power of God. Sometimes we are going through a hardship so that we'll stop trusting in ourselves because God wants us to see just how powerful he is. This is one of my favorite verses. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or all we think. I think about George Muller. He did the impossible in his lifetime. He did the impossible. There was no way that one man could accomplish that much. But he did it because he believed that God could do abundantly above all that he asked for.
and even thought. What are your dreams for the kingdom of God? What's your plans for the kingdom? I hope they're great. I hope you're asking God to fulfill them because he'll do it. So in closing this morning, if there is any of you that have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have not this power. See, when Jesus was being baptized, do you remember what happened? As he was coming out of the waters of baptism, John the Baptist was baptizing him. Luke says that he was praying. And you know what happened? Right then, the heavens came open. The heavens will open up for us. And unlimited power will come through the Holy Spirit. I love the verses that Brother Derek read this morning. Maybe you are here this morning, you're kind of like Zachariah, struggling with believing about this power. As those verses that Derek read, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, and they are like-minded, when they pray, you better watch out, because big things are happening. Big things are happening. If you're struggling with something, you just can't overcome it on your own. Let the power of God work through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us pray for you this morning. I love each and every one of you. Brother Joseph has a song. And I want to leave you with just one last thought. Is prayer our steering wheel or is it our spare tire? Just something to dwell on. Thank you for your kind attention. Let's stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.